television podcast i'm liz shannon miller at liz on the twitters i'm ben travers at ben t travers on the twitters and we're gonna get right to it. we're doing it right now for you and we've got questions you've got questions and we've got answers we've got we've got questions from our listeners liz from yeah. our listeners i think they they called in you know just before we were able to record them sadly but but we we took diligent notes yes so we'll be able to to read these questions let's get right to it we had our first listener devout listener uh first time caller long time listener zach Sharf. Yes. Uh, he wrote in with the question, which show has been the most painful to give up and for what reason? It's an excellent question, Zach. Excellent question you've which brought to us. Has been the most painful? What has been the most painful? I mean, here's the, here's the thing. When you talk about giving up a show, when when the show is brutally ripped from you by br- br- brutally ripped from us by cancellation, that's always tricky. That's always really hard. Uh when a show is just kind of like, oh man, that show should have been amazing and is not great anymore, that's also tough. Uh, you yeah, know, do you ever give up, Liz? Like, if you like a show, has there ever been a reason where you're like, you know what, I like this, but I also respect, or I also acknowledge the idea that it's not as good as it was, or uh, there's something about it that that I know is bad, and I just have to stop. I just have to put an end to it. You know what? I'm going to call out Masters of Sex. Oh, interesting. Because interesting I've, it's an amazing cast, an amazing cast, an amazing concept for a show. But for some some reason, I felt fell off it really hard when in in sometime in season two, and it's just been a show that I feel like I should always like, and I should always, I mean, I should love, frankly, and yet I can't get into it. I can't. I can't keep. I can't keep up. That's interesting. That's a, I mean, that's an excellent choice. I, I, I've been trying to rack my brain here about it. I, I really don't feel like I have any. There's some that I stopped watching because I just lost track of them or I didn't have time, but it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious decision. And you're also talking to a guy who watched seven years of Californication. Are so you, I don't give up that easily. I mean, I, I would argue you watched too many years of Californication. I, would, I definitely did. I watched six years too much of Californication. At the same time, though, you came out of it with, like, this intense love for Pamela Adlon. I do. I love Pamela Adlon. I love David Duchovny in it. I love I love the whole cast, really. They're all great. And, and I love Hank Moody, and that was the thing. Like, I loved watching Hank Moody do everything that he did. It was just, you know, not a great show. Yeah. Um, the phone lines are lighting up, though. Let's move yeah. on to a very similar question. Um, in regards to – oh, wait. Hold on. I lost track of my notes here. Uh, but we, we just talked about what show has been most painful to give up and for what reason – um, what's a TV show? This is from John. This is from our, our, our another devout listener, John. Yeah. What's a TV show that you just don't get, Liz? Like that people tell you is good, and you're just like, you know what? I don't get it. True Detective. Oh my God! The phone lines are like, oh my God! <laughs> there is just guys, calm down. We're not gonna take those calls. Just, just hang up. I mean, take a breath. I let's let Liz explain for, herself first. I mean, okay, no, that's that's. You know there's two seasons, right? You didn't just watch the new season. You watched the first season. I mean, I barely watched the second season. Well, that's fine. No one's going to fault you for that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I, I did enjoy watching season one. I think I remember watching the first trailer for True Detective and thinking to myself, oh, great, another show where women get murdered and white men get to feel sad about it. And I... One woman. Just one. Just the one woman. Just the one woman, really. Yeah, but at the same time, it was like, I I enjoyed watching it when I finally did, but I just remember, like, you know, 
I did not go in, did not watch it immediately. I took, I think I actually took about a year, if I recall correctly. And yeah, I was not chuffed too hard about that. What about you, Ben? Well, it's very obvious the answer. I was trying to think of a of another choice other than Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> and oh, well, there go there go the phone lines again. Shut up! I'm not I'm not answering. Um, God, I mean uh, that's that's the really obvious one. That one's really really big. Um, I'm trying to think if there's I don't know if there's another substantial one. I'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking on it. But but while we do that, um, I have a very important question. Uh, this one's from Kate uh, okay. Kate Erblin. Um, she wants to know. I'm going to try to phrase this properly. It's it's a difficult. It's a complex question. So just sure. I'm I'm thinking. I'm, I'm prepare I'm, yourself. I'm in the zone. How hard did the Rock ball this week? Well, the Rock always balls at a certain level of hardness mm. that we as mere mortals cannot understand. Mm. But I believe he balled about a about a five. Five out of ten? No, five out of five. Five out of five. Oh, yeah, that's mean, a lot of balling. I mean, look. So, <laughs> I, I mean, in my he 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 balled his way into my heart. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, well, now let me let me let me clarify because the question didn't have any sort of specifics in it, but there's obviously a lot of implications. Right. Um, when when asked when considering your rating for how hard the rock balled this week, when you gave him a five out of five, are you? referring specifically to how hard the rock balled in character on the show ballers or are you referring to in general the rock this week who did some pretty cool shit especially yesterday on twitter how hard he balled in i was life? referring specifically to the rock himself interesting because the the how hard the rock balls in character on the show ballers is of course reserved for my weekly my weekly ballers columns which uh, did yesterday receive a shout out from The Rock himself, and it was maybe one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. It was amazing. It's so good. It was great, guys. Oh man, he he, he's he's reading them. He's yeah. reading me right about how hard he balls every week. Yeah. Um. This is this is it. It's now it's, you've got to do it for another year. I've got to do it. I've got. They just got rid of for really. three seasons. For three seasons. Yeah, I've right. got to do it for for all the seasons. Yep. Somebody commented. Uh, I posted this about a, this on uh, Facebook. So I was like, you you can retire now. I'm like, I can't retire. The Rock needs me. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite of that. Now you've been called to action more than you've ever been in your life, Liz. This is this is this is your moment. This is your time. <laughs> it's. It, it, this is my this is my moment. I'm I'm very happy about it. Um, I have a question for you, Ben. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've got because uh, my my phone lines are lighting up as well. Um, it's odd that we have we don't have the same phone lines, but sure, yeah, hit yeah. It. Um, Jeremy Pisig. I'm not sure pa- I'm saying that Pisig, name. Pisig, I believe. Pisig. 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 Oh, Jeremy Bunk y- Pisig. You you might know this person. Uh, I just I, I know how to pronounce names, Liz. <laughs> You're doing better than me then. Um, the last few years, we've seen a lot of dramas with an anti-hero at the center. Is TV moving away from that now? Great question, uh, listener. Um, <laughs> to whom Je- Ben has no connection whatsoever. I've never met him before. Definitely wasn't the best man at his wedding. Um, <laughs> I honestly think, I, I like to think that we are moving away from that. I like to think that we're starting to get tired of seeing people that we... Uh, that we struggle to identify with or that we're asked to identify with even though they're a terrible human being. Um, and, and some very big failures of late have exemplified that, uh, namely vinyl was the biggest one. I mean, that was something where 
you know, 10 years ago, it would have fit the mold. A lot of people compared it to Mad Men, you know, when it, when it came out, just kind of the construction of the, of the general story and the character dynamics and, and the office environment, um, the period setting. And we're just not, we're not ready for that right now. Um, what's interesting, though, and, and what even the show is acknowledging in the promotional materials this year is that BoJack Horseman is very much an anti-hero story, and it's never been better. Um, I, I definitely see him as that classic anti-hero character, but because he's putting himself in a show that is primarily a comedy, I think it goes down a little bit easier. I think people are w- more willing to engage with him, and he's just a little more authentic when it comes to acknowledging certain emotions as opposed to repressing them or you know being forced to be embarrassed by them or, or, or draw them out in, a, in an awkward manner. He wants to tackle them head on, so we're going to tackle them with him. I mean, I, I feel like I, I wrote something uh, to the, uh, to, in this regard in my review uh, when I did the season review of, of BoJack, where uh, basically I think the big difference between him and your you know prototypical antihero, your Don Draper, your Tony Soprano, is that I think it's probably the simplest way to say it. Like I feel like I heard a lot of guys. Um, I might have dated a man actually who. Uh, used to be who actually started literally started drinking whiskey because don draper drank whiskey and he thought that was awesome now that is pretty awesome i mean it is drinking whiskey of course is great but i'm just saying like guys idolize these anti-heroes and there was like this weird weird energy about that because it's like you know you're idolizing tony soprano tony soprano's not a great person like that's not great for you that's not a great choice you're making with BoJack, I don't think anyone idolizes BoJack. And I think BoJack is very much meant, you know, constructed in this way. Bo- BoJack does not want you to idolize that main character. And I think that's why BoJack works, whereas something like Vinyl, where it kind of glories and, you know, another, oh, bad boy at the center of the show, like, why Vinyl didn't work. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that, especially with Vinyl as an example. Um I think that I don't think that anybody is meant to strongly identify with Bojack in, in the show. That's other what than, we're agreeing on that. Yeah, other than other than seeing you know other than seeing the empathetic side of him, other than seeing how hard it is for him to you know go day by day and, and change something that's that's buried deep within him. Um, but like with Vinyl, I I don't think we were asked to see <coughs> Bobby Cannavale's character as uh, as a hero or as somebody we were meant to think was really cool and had his shit together i mean he was a drug addict and a, and a drunk and an abusive dad for parts of the show i mean he wasn't a good guy right um so i don't think that we were being asked to see him as a good guy i think we were just exhausted by the fact that we had to put up with that like that that was it wasn't that we needed to identify him it was just simply that we were asked to watch that like that was supposed to drive us just that he was bad and that's not good enough anymore like i agree with you the best ones are the ones that kind of figure out a way to make you want to side with that person in spite of yourself you like you shouldn't be idolizing tony soprano you shouldn't be idolizing don draper in that way but if you say you don't have a connection with them if you said you don't have any empathy for them then you're watching the show wrong uh because they do build those up very very well fair um hopefully though we are moving away from that because it's a it was a tricky kind of overused trope that i uh was never a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, so excellent. Question. Yeah. yeah, excellent question, Jeremy. Excellent questions. Um, to go along, something something similar to our first question. Um, Liz, how long do you typically give a show before you bail, before you write it off completely? You know, 
oh, I hate being like, oh, it's a case-by-case basis. I feel like I will always, if, if you don't have me by the end of the pilot, um, I if you don't have me at least interested in watching more by the end of the pilot, I'm out. I will watch, I will watch, a, I have watched a ton of pilots in my time, and I tend to, you know, it's a really good question. Uh, because, I mean, but I've watched a ton of pilots, and I feel like, in in the classic sense of pilot is meant to sell you the entire show, and if it doesn't do that job, then you know, sorry, buddy. How about you? Um, I I similarly hate to say the case by case thing, but what's interesting in our line of work is we'll get a certain amount of episodes out of the gate. Yeah. Um, so, and we definitely try to we have a policy anywhere we try to watch everything we're given before we write a season review. Um, so I typically try to do that no matter what. I might know that I'm not going to stick with the show before that. Um, typically, it's, it's, it, at this stage, it's not a set number of shows. It's more about how long I put it off. It's more about how many times I think about it or how many times I don't think about it, just how far down the queue it keeps getting pushed, and then eventually it's like, well, I'm, that's just never coming back. Like, I'm just not going to get back into that show. Right. Um, I don't think there is a set number of episodes. I mean, if it if I if I see nothing, you know, that's that's endear or that, that makes me want to stick with it through an hour of it, then yeah, I'm I'm probably not going to keep going back to it unless there's outside forces making me do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of tricky. I think that's the big thing is you know we. You know, there are a lot of times when we'll be at, you know, we have reason to watch a show immediately for as close to its premiere, and we'll watch the episodes, and then we'll watch the episodes we're given, and the big thing is, do we go back to it? Like, yeah. you know, because I think, like, there are a lot of shows lately that I feel, I've watched, like, the first four or five, and so I've gotten a good sense of the show, I feel conversant in it, I feel like I can discuss it eight you know, ably, but I may not, I may not end up finishing the season. And that's just simply by virtue of the fact that I'm moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And it may be the deciding factor may also (coughs) just be if we finish what we're given and we want more or we're not, or we don't care. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, well, you know, I'd watch more if I had it, but whatever versus, you know, oh man, I got to see what the next one is. I can't wait to get more episodes of this. Um, To give you an example of one that I, I don't know if I've bailed on it completely, but by the time limit, you know, by the the statute of limitations, I probably have. Uh, and Ann Thompson's going to be very mad, but it's Billions. Oh, I yeah. watched the first six episodes of Billions. Um, it was fine. It was it was something that I wanted to like a lot more than I did. It was very easy to watch it. It was it's a very easy binge um, through those first six. And I've heard that the ending is great. I've heard that the ending of the first season is very very good. So I've always you know kind of, I've actually had a note written down you know in my in my list of assignments saying. You know, go back and watch Billions. And there's been a few times where I've thought about it, but usually I just kind of keep forgetting about it, so it just keeps moving down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. Let's go, Liz. Bring it. Uh, Margul Zada uh, has a question for us. If you could write I a TV... I don't know him. No, sh- her. Her, I don't know. I'm sorry, what was the name again? Margul Zada. Oh, okay. I, I, uh, ma- ma- I heard Margul. It's Mal Gorzada. I apologize. I'm not great at names, as we've previously established. I'm perfect at it. Uh, yes. Well, whereas Ben is perfect at it. But if you could write a TV show, what would it be about? <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. That's, hmm. If I could write a TV show, what would it be about? Well, it would have to have a sustainable premise. Sure. It would have to be a, 
a topic near and dear to my heart because I'd want to talk about it for a long period of time. Right. What about how the Chicago Cubs are? No, it couldn't be that personal, <laughs> nor would I feel comfortable writing about something that is so delicate in terms of superstition. Um, right. Like I couldn't, I wouldn't want to write them losing ever. Right. And I wouldn't be comfortable writing them as winners because I could jinx it. So, I mean, there's just nothing I could touch in that realm. Okay. Uh, it, it'd be tempting to try to do another sports show. Um, but, it, you know, it would have to be a Friday Night Lights kind of thing where it's not really about the sport. The sport would be a part of it because it's be passionate. But um, I would want to be – I'd want it to be set in the Midwest. I know that much. It's an underseen, underutilized area of television. They don't They don't dig into that too much. And they don't need to – not talking true detective season one. I'm not talking, you know, like the down and dirty areas of, of this kind of thing. There's there's just good honest honest stories to be told up there. Maybe something like Rectify that's done that's doing it pretty well, even though it's the South. That's lovely. Um this is I a long winded answer. I don't really have a good answer to this. Liz, do you have anything in the in the holster? Like I mean, to... my my easiest answer for it is if there is one show that I would have relished creating or being a part of, it Marvel's Jessica Jones is, you know, it was, that comic book was literally something I idolized. And I remember, like, the first time I heard, like, 2010 or so that they were trying to adapt it, I was like, ugh, I hope they fail so I can do it. Mm, interesting. Um, and, of course, that didn't happen on so many levels because they didn't fail, and mm. uh, I didn't do it. Uh, but it, that was that was a show where I was very excited about it. Um, so, next That's question. Uh, we have a good question from Steve here. Steve Holt? Steve Green. Steve Green. Green with three E's. Mm. Steve Green with three E's. Not with, sure how to pronounce that. Yeah. It's a tough one for you, I know. Green? Yeah. Greeny? Greeny. Green. Uh, how hard has Han balled at TCAs? Oh, well, uh, I'm not the, the balling expert. I believe that question is most likely addressed to you, but I would have to assume... She's she's on rock status right now. She's she's certainly she is certainly rocking it harder. Uh, for context's sake, we're talking about the Intelligent Critics Association press tour, where Ben and I are, which is currently underway at the Beverly Hilton. It is day three. Ben and I are kind of taking a little break from it so that we can record this podcast. Uh, but uh, Han is there now, I'm sure. So that is she is she is certainly balling harder than us. She balled really hard on Netflix Day. I mean, what did yeah. she have? Sixteen interviews? Something like that. She, she was, it was pretty high. She she uh, talked to everyone from Luke Cage she she could get, and uh, she also wrote up some panels. And yeah, she we we all had a big day on Netflix Day because uh, that's a big day for us. But she balled especially hard. So we salute you, Han. Is it is it a five out of five? Six out of five? Five out of five. Seven out of five? Five out of five. Twelve out of five? Fourteen out of five. I feel like you're being very loose with my rating system, which is weird because normally you are very uptight about this sort of thing. Well, frankly, I, I honestly just, it, it's, I saw how hard The Rock balled this week, and he balled very hard. He balled very hard. But I feel like he has had weeks where he's balled harder. So when it's, when he does ball harder again, what are we going to give him? I don't know. Probably, probably just yeah. We're gonna have to go six out of five or just something. Just gonna have to throw a trophy on there or something. Exactly. Just like you know, just give him a crown. Just give him like a like a cup filled with pebbles. Because they're rocks. So I got a question for you, Liz. Okay, hit me. What's the deal 
with the Lost finale? Good question. The interesting thing about the Lost finale is that um, there's a long-standing belief that it kind of that Lost always kind of knew it was going. It, you know, they were dead the whole time, and then they had to zag away from that for after after everyone figured it out at the beginning Spoilers. of season one. Um, yeah, I'm, are you serious? <laughs> you always yell at me when I do that. Um, I do not. Oh, not always yell. Uh, anyway, so uh, it was, there was something very amusing about the Lost finale in terms of how it, you know, kind of after after working so hard to be like, no, they're not dead the whole time, uh, zagging back to that in some de- to to some extent. I don't know. I like the Lost finale. I'm a def- I'm a vague defender of it. Uh, but I know that I also understand that there are a lot of people out there who were frustrated by its lack of answers. But I kind of I liked having everyone in the same place at the same time. It was nice to see all, all, all our old friends, even the ones we actively despised. It's a, it's a very fair assessment and a, at a, on a random question many, many years later. Yes. Um, I have a, a much more complicated question, though, for you, Liz. Go. And this comes uh, from, again, our, our devout listener, John, but through... Uh, the writing of Chuck Klosterman. And uh, the question is basically uh, from a book called What If We're Wrong? And there's a, there's a chapter on television uh, that he kind of gets into. And the, and the basic question is what television show is the most real? And the example that he gives is if you were to give it to aliens, what show would be the most reflective of society? And Klosterman apparently ranks it as local news, national news, and then commercials. But if we had to apply that question to serialized, well, uh, narrative television, let's say, uh, what would what would your answer be? So this is the television show we give to the aliens to explain who we are as a people. Yeah, most reflective of society, uh, the most authentic and real as a representation of us. Oh, man. If I don't say The Wire, I'm kind of a failure as a person. At the same time, I kind of want to say Survivor. Survivor, interesting. I feel like I feel like you get a kind of good grasp of humanity at its best and worst in the show Survivor. At its worst, at its worst, yes. Sometimes people are nice to each other on Survivor. Very rarely. That's the impression you're going to give. It's going to give that most of the time we're going to stab you in the back to get some money. I mean, it could be. I mean, is the wire really a better, a better represent, like a more positive representation? Like, what's your answer to this question? I'd argue for Parks and Recreation. I mean, that's definitely if you want like the optimistic, you know. Of course I do. Of course I do. I want to believe the you, best in society much want, more than I want to believe the worst. And you know, if 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 I was abiding by the laws of Parks and Recreation, I'd probably have to also throw in Friday Night Lights. But you know, we're not allowed to have two shows. So so yeah, I, I mean, I think Parks and Rec. Is, uh, is a great example of, of kind of how the, the best and worst of society can blend, but that optimism reigns supreme and that uh, if you believe in something, then you can make it happen. And that's, that's, that's at least the American ideal and, and what we're striving for. It's beautiful, man. Well, it's something. <laughs> All right, Liz, I think we got time for one more question. Okay. Um, and then we're going to move on to our, our next thing, best thing. Thank great. you, everyone who called yes. in. Or apologies. I, I know the phones. They've been lighting up. Yes. Our, if we uh, didn't get to your question. Well, no, actually, I, I, I mean, what, what, is, what is your question? Because I want to make sure we answer a couple. Kate, our, our dear friend Kate, 
did have a couple other questions for you. Well, we've only got we let's narrow it down to one, Liz, and then and then pick it. But I do want to make sure that we thank everyone uh, who's worked very diligently on setting up this complicated live episode of podcasting. Uh, our assistant Erica, you've been great. Erica, thank you for sitting over there. Uh, well, yeah, just Erica. We'll get to you later. Okay. Uh, what's the uh, What's the question here? Um, if you've ever seen Ben in person or on the internet, you know that Ben has a head of hair. This and is a great question. <laughs> I can tell already for a radio, for a for an audible podcast, for a non-video podcast. Ben, the people need to know what do you use in your hair to make it so incredibly, incredibly hair-like. Uh, I just gotta, I gotta give credit to my stylist, Debbie. Uh, she's at Debbie Does Hair. She's in Toluca Lake. Uh, make sure you find her, seek her out if you want a good haircut. She's responsible for, for everything. I don't, I, you I do don't. Do you not put product in your hair? I put some product in my hair, Liz. Uh, it's, what is the product you put in your a, hair? It's a special personal brand blend <laughs> that I create myself. Um, but the, the, the real secret to, to the hair, if there is one, I don't think there is. Um, outside of Debbie, it's it's blow drying. You need a blow dryer. You blow dry your hair. I blow dry my hair every day. Every day. Wow, it's that, gotta be done. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of it, Liz. It's so thick that if you let it dry on its own, it just like falls all over the place. So you've got to try to control it and tell it what to do. You're the boss of your hair. You own your hair. I might give it a motivational speech every day. I might bring up Friday Night Lights and, and try to convey my coach Taylor-ism into the hair. But. <laughs> I mean, it's working. Well, so congratulations. That's a high compliment. I, I'll accept it. But, Thank you. Um, um, so what, what is your final question for us? Oh, I already put it away. We just we just did the final question. Um, <laughs> it has to be a better question. Not, not a better question. It's a very important question to ask about your hair. I don't think I am. I don't, uh, the most relevant TV question that uh, we've received before Erica cut the phone lines um, was, what are your memories of Allie McBeal? I like that question. That is an interesting question. Um, my memories of Allie McBeal are, I used to, I really loved that pilot for some reason. That pilot, I, I think I think I watched it just at exactly the right age where it was just like it just seemed like the most romantic thing and I remember like watching the couple kissing in the rain and thinking wow that's like the most romantic thing I've ever seen in my entire life and uh, yeah, I didn't really keep up with it because you know it's Ally McBeal but I certainly watched a lot of that show at least in its first season yeah how about you um, I never really watched a lot of it the, my strongest memory of Ally McBeal are the advertisements that uh, flooded Fox at the time, mm. um, especially the Dancing Baby, like that. Ah, uh, Dancing Baby. They incorporated that into so many commercials for so long. I have um, heard it stood out. Yeah, I, I remember hearing stories about how, like that, of all the shows you never want to, you you never wanted to interview anyone from the cast of, that show apparently had just like one of the most bitchy sets, mm. mostly because no one was no one was eating. Because everyone was terrifyingly thin on that show, mm. um, or rather, everyone was ter- ter- terrifyingly thin on that show because no one was eating. Yeah, and also they hate, and as a result, like that led to some hangry moments. Uh, well, as it does for all of us, really. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm sure Mrs. Harrison Ford, close to Flockhart, was lovely. Of course, of course. Why would she be anything less than a perfect angel? Absolutely. 
Um, Han Solo deserves that. He does. She deserves Han Solo. She does deserve Han Solo. Ben, here's my question for you. Okay. What was the best thing you watched last week? The Get Down. The Get Down. Yeah. What is The Get Down? The Get Down. Well, I can't really define it, Liz. It's not (laughs) something that you can say. It might be something that someone could sing, but it's not going to be me. Right. But it is a Netflix original series set to come out in mid-August. I'm forgetting the exact release date. I think it's the 13th. It's, it's, it's August 12th. 12th. And uh, reviews are embargoed until August 3rd, so I'm not going to ask you to actually. I'm all, not going to say All anymore. you're going to say is that it was the best thing you watched. It was the best thing I watched last week. Yes. Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, so. In that kind of willful sort of rebellion mode where, you know, I'm like, I know I need to be watching other stuff, and instead I'm watching X. I've been watching oh, a lot God. of Fringe lately. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I know. I It's my comfort viewing. It's what I watch when I'm not watching the things I'm supposed to be watching. I'm, I am watching the things I'm supposed to be watching, but I'm also watching Fringe. And season two is so good. And I'm almost done with it. And then it's going to be season three, and that's even better. And uh, did, did you watch? Did you watch Westworld? Please. I that was what I was going to say. Is I also have seen a lot of Westworld. Now. Okay, okay, good. well, yeah. That, I was going to say Fringe. Fringe is what I've been watching, and that's been enjoyable. But I did watch Westworld we last night. We don't have a lot of Westworld. You've just seen. There are two Much episodes. More. I have I I have now seen Westworld. Westworld is HBO's, of course, long delayed robot drama. To put it, <laughs> put it in the most blunt terms, um, and nope, nope. it is a show where we're, there's going to be a lot to chew on and discuss. But it is a show where I'm watching, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to watch this show. And I'm not saying I am not smart enough to watch this show. I'm just saying I feel challenged by this show in a way that. I was not expecting. There's some exciting twists to what they're doing, and there's get out of here in a Nolan show. Get I know. Out of here. Well, I mean, breaking, breaking news. Um, but I'm just saying, there's a high level of intellectual engagement going on here, and it's yeah, it's it's in, kind of incredible. Um, I think. I don't know if I we. we we may also be on embargo on that, but certainly I can say... I'm taking the assumption that we are absolutely under embargo for that. Yes. But so this is not a review. This is just me saying I watched Westworld. Right. And... A confession. A confession. A confession. Yeah. Um, but Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Graves. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, Do you know why, Liz? Why? Because Nick Nolte's in it. I know. Do you know why everyone should always be excited to watch something that Nick Nolte is in? Why, Ben? Because he was in Warrior, Liz. (laughs) The greatest film ever to be filmed in the history of film. Warrior. (laughs) For which he earned an Academy Award nomination and was horrifically torn away from winning. I don't even remember who did it because it doesn't matter because nothing else matters other than Warrior. (laughs) And now he's making a television show on which he stars. And it's a political drama, I think, from Epics. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's got him. He's like the president or like a former president. I don't It doesn't matter. It's Nick Nolte. It's Nick Nolte. Yes. And he was in Warrior. So we will watch it. (laughs) Just like we watched that awful Broadchurch remake. Because of Warrior? Because of Warrior. Because Nick Nolte was in it. Oh, that's right. Nick Nolte was in Warrior. So we watched it. And it was bad. (laughs) This 
I bet it's not going to be bad because it, Nick Nolte's in it and Nick Nolte was in Warrior. Ben, you know how sometimes I will just ping you about random shows and random actors because I will legitimately not be sure if you're interested in them or not? It's because of shit like this. It's because, like, you were, you will be so obsessed with one movie or TV show that anyone associated with this it. This is not a personal obsession, Liz. This is a <laughs> global phenomenon. Warrior is not a global phenomenon. Warrior is one of the biggest cult hits in the history of cult hits. Just oh because it didn't God. succeed at the time does not mean that there are not rabid fans uh, out there who will email you, Liz. And that's Liz, L-I-Z, at <laughs> IndieWire.com. Tell her how important Warrior is. Tell her of the greatness of this film. If I receive more than three, if I receive more than three emails about the importance of Warrior because of this podcast, sandwich bet. Sandwich bet. Yep. You will receive them. <laughs> okay. Because people more love than three, Warrior. so four or more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, it's out there in the universe now. Sandwich bet. Sandwich bet. We have shaken on the sandwich bet. All right, uh, Ben. So that's the next thing you're looking forward to. Warrior. I mean, Nick Nolte. (laughs) I mean, Graves. In that order, honestly. Um, In that order. I guess there's probably something else you're looking forward to other than Graves, other than (laughs) Nick Nolte and Warrior. Liz, is there, I mean, can you even think of it now? I mean, more Westworld is definitely on the list. But also, I I did not prioritize watching The Get Down. Uh, Huge mistake. Well, I, mean, I, I can't say anything. You know, I mean, I, I, you, you were in point on that one, so Baz you watched. You, 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 you spoke with Baz, oh, Baz, 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 Baz. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you, you got to meet and talk to Baz. Uh, yes, I did. So uh, you, and, and the reason for that was that you were point on that show, and I was not point on that show. I was point on other shows, and so yeah. I am very excited at some point to sit down with uh, the Get Down. You all should be. Yeah. I didn't say anything. Yes. I take it back. <laughs> you're, I feel like embargo just means you're not allowed to, I don't know. It, it means everything. It Netflix me- is serious. They, 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 they will send us weird emails, certainly, about embargoes and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, anyways, so, I mean, thank you for listening uh, to this kind of this kind Live of, episode. Live episode. A live certainly. Definitely podcast. not recorded on a Friday, and definitely we didn't take a 20-minute break because I had a phoner. Um, just, yeah, I mean, show them how the sausage is made, Liz. Just let them in the door. Have a tour. <laughs> oh, it's TCA's day three, people. It's only going it's to only, get more. It's only, day three. it's only going to get more dynamic and exciting, and certainly not at all uh, terrifying from here. Uh, but again, thank you for listening. Uh, please go to IndieWire.com to continue following us on TCA coverage as well as other TV coverage because it does exist outside of that ballroom in uh, the Beverly Hilton. And, and if you're looking for some film coverage, make sure you tune into Screen Talk with our very good Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. Uh, Ann will definitely tell you to watch Billions. She'll be mad at me if she ever listens to this and hears that I have not finished it. Um, Eric will tell you about all of the pertinent indie films that are hitting, and actually there's quite a few of them out right now. They're, they're doing fairly well for themselves at the box office. I've seen some good indie, indie box office deeds of late, and that's, uh, that's encouraging to see. It's Especially perha- in the summer. I mean, it, perhaps it might have something to do with the fact that the actual blockbuster movies have been so terrible. Yeah, it's almost like people want to go see good movies, which is weird. It is weird, but right. I'm very happy about it. Yeah, it's great for us. Great yeah. for everybody. Great for the culture. Great for life. Exactly. Um, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. And that- 
make sure to email her, <laughs> not at Lizlet, but Liz, L-I-Z, at IndieWire.com and tell her just how much Warrior means to you. I'm, I'm officially calling the statute of limitations on the Warrior san- the warrior email sandwich bet at uh, five days. So Ten days. <laughs> no, five days. Ten days. No. Ten. Seven. Ten. <laughs> okay, ten. Yes. Excellent. I, I, don't, I don't know why I lost that one. Um, anyways, point is... Um, Warriors we will... the best show. <laughs> I got, guys. It's the best I, show. It's the best everything. It is. It is. Uh, it's the pinnacle. I have to go. I have to go watch Warrior. Okay. Well, you're going to go watch Warrior. Uh, I'm going to go do my job at TCA's. This is and... my job. <laughs> and in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. 